Okay. Here we are. Here we are. Episode two. So. <laughs> so this is Brown Burndown. Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown Burn. The Brown Burn. Brown Burn Down. Burn Down. Burn Down. The Brown Burn Down. Okay, so we got some feedback from last week. And we decided that we owe you, our dedicated listeners, a proper introduction of who we are. And since you are all dying to know, I'm sure, my name is Rabs. And I'm Tars. And we decided to create this podcast for a number of reasons, but uh, primarily is because we love talking to each other, and specifically, we love talking about pop culture with each other, and we have throughout our entire friendship. Yes, and we met at Yale when we were undergraduates, undergraduate <laughs> students at Yale University. <laughs> Make that sound less douchey. We've been friends since truly the first day we met, actually. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Be cute. Here we are recording this long distance podcast. <laughs> long distance podcast, yeah. So a big change is now we are LD. So Rabs is a medical student and she's gonna save people's lives very shortly. So she couldn't be here with me. And Tars is gonna be running big tech company very shortly. Yeah. Hence the LD right now. So our the focus of this podcast is to discuss specifically Indians in American pop culture and in the American media. We felt like growing up, this is something we talked a lot about with our friends and family, but there was never really a space outside of that where we could listen to people with similar opinions about subjects that interested us. And honestly, you didn't see very many Indians in the American media. That's definitely something that's increased dramatically, I think, even since we were in high school and college which is awesome, but it means we have some opinions. And we want to caveat it by saying many of them are negative. We are haters, and we own it. We are here to dish. And I feel like it's Um, especially necessary in 2018 at this time that we're in because we're living in this post-truth era, and truth doesn't matter anymore. Lies are flying around left, right, and center, and so pop culture doesn't deserve that. We're here to call out the BS. Pop culture doesn't deserve that. We have Sarah Huckabee Sanders for that. Uh, and Daisies yeah. don't deserve that. So we're here for pop culture. Woo. We're here for Daisies. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off this week by tying up some loose ends around last week's episode on Priyanka and Nick. We kind of think about this one as the gift that just keeps giving because you know, there's just so much to say about them. And I think there will be for the duration of their relationship. So we got to admit to you guys that we fibbed a little bit. We we lied. We lied. Right up. We lied. Yeah, we're going to start this section, which we're going to call lies we told. Here we so, go. There were some lies. <laughs> well, so the primary one, this comes from some comments from our loving family members who know way too much about the personal details of Nick Jonas. We said that they're from Texas, not from Texas. I guess technically we were right to my sister who corrected us. We were correct. He was born there. The Jonas brothers lived in New Jersey. To be fair, they were very active around like 
Houston hurricane relief efforts, which maybe is just yeah, out of the goodness of their hearts, but it felt like they yeah, were from Texas. I so agree. I mean, we weren't wrong, so this is like a half lie we told. So just so everyone knows, don't go around telling people that the Jonas Brothers are from Dallas, because that's not 100% true. Second lie we told was... We claimed that uh, Nick Jonas had probably not been to India before the situation, but we stipulated that perhaps he had been for a Jonas tour. That is, in fact, incorrect. He had never been to India before this engagement yeah. party. So our point is even more valid. We're, so, we're right. so right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so these are lies, but, like, actually we didn't, we tell, didn't tell any lies. lies so, so our slate is clean for this week. This is a good segue into um, some lingering thoughts from last week in a segment that I guess is lingering thoughts. Let's, let's talk about some of the big events that happened over the past week. It was it was quite a eventful week, to say the least. Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas are married. Not only are they married once, they were married twice. Church wedding. Yeah, no, it wasn't yeah a church, they had the same a Christian wedding. They had a Hindu wedding and a Christian wedding. If you haven't seen the pictures from their wedding, you probably live in a cave. But... Um, it's kind of been blowing up over the past week, right? Uh, I feel like every day there are new pictures that are released in some magazine. People Magazine was definitely invited and present for their wedding, and it wasn't sort of an Amal Clooney situation where they just sold their wedding pictures for charity. They invited people to document their wedding from start to finish for publicity it pretty much seemed like and uh for additional for additional money that aerial shot if you've seen on instagram or some other platform of veil. her veil can we discuss was... i feel like we could have a whole episode just about that veil honestly we could we could also have an episode about the memes around her <laughs> yeah. veil which were great, great. Well, so basically if you haven't seen it yet she needed six people to carry her veil because it was actually that long it's, it's, I think, just an interesting contrast because most celebrities are pr- incredibly private about their weddings, especially ones that have been in the spotlight for so long. It's not as though Priyanka and Nick are new to fame. Um, so to capitalize so blatantly on it was Oh, confusing. yeah, definitely. I feel like very recently we've seen celebrities get married in extremely private ceremonies where they invite they, – even the guests don't know that they're coming for a wedding, you know, or – Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, Aniston right? or yeah. Amy Schumer had that wedding. It was weird how they used the wedding as a circus, kind of in the same way, actually, which maybe could be a whole other episode, that I felt the royals do. But for instance, like Eugenie. Yeah, she the one okay, who well, yeah like the Beatrice. royal family, they're funded by taxpayers of the UK, right? I understand it being an event where you invite a bunch of dignitaries because the Queen of England does that is part of her job, right? Prime Minister Modi was at their wedding, which feels kind of weird also, right? Super weird. And I get it, like, maybe they're friends. I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Are they? Are I know, they? I, like, I, I can't mean, imagine, I... like, the Venn diagrams of their interests intersecting very much. Oh, yeah, I can't. See the event diagram of Nick and Priyanka. So, like, Modi's, like, on a different piece of paper, you know? (laughs) Especially between Nick Jonas and Prime Minister Modi. But that was the weirdest part. Did you see? So he commented on 
Modi Instagram this is how we know about it. I don't even I don't have any more thoughts. It's, just, it's odd. just odd. That's all. That's our that's our thesis for that point. <laughs> thesis for that point is odd. One thing that also struck us as odd, and this one one point that comes yeah. from my roommate is that <laughs> during this whole shindig ordeal that was happening over the weekend, where sort of there was a ton of publicity courtesy of Priyanka and Nick on Twitter and kind of on sort of social media, what was trending in the non-Daisy circles was Sophie Turner, who's Sansa from Game of Thrones and is Joe Jonas's fiance, who was at the wedding, did an Indian dance as part of the Sangeet. And that is what was trending on Twitter. That Sophie Turner does Indian dance. And so for that piece, I felt almost a little sad for Priyanka. She's done all this work to make sure that the publicity is all about her, this whole Vogue thing, this whole people thing, all the social media strategizing. And yet Sansa Stark, who's, what, 22 years old, has had one big role, can maybe like two big roles. It's definitely not as famous as Priyanka. Yeah. It's not even her wedding. Nothing it has nothing to do with her. She just is a white person who did an Indian dance. And so they are like excited about that exactly I don't know that felt very made me sad for Priyanka I felt very minimizing and exoticizing right, which we talked about last week of this it's a white thing. girl wearing an Indian outfit is someone getting arrested oh is it home? really loud no it's not that loud but it sounds like <laughs> it's like sound the great. hospital hashtag med school life <laughs> oh hashtag med school life it just yeah it, it felt like the takeaway from that whole thing was sort of like oh my god Sophie Turner did an Indian dance that's so unexpected and exotic and different and that's sort of the the cool thing to take away from it which is not it's why is it strange that when her sister-in-law is Indian she did an Indian dance why is that newsworthy why is the fact that she wore Indian clothes newsworthy I don't know. It, that, 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 it wasn't newsworthy for it being appropriative. It was just newsworthy because she was a white person and she deigned right, to wear exactly. Indian clothes and she deigned to do an Indian dance. And that's just... Articles like that, they unintentionally create more of a divide between cultures than than highlighting the Priyanka and Nick probably intended their marriage to be, which was a, you know, a respectful celebration of their mixing of cultures, right? And so... Exactly. It's the you can be right, Indian exactly. thing. Uh, and so then I guess the last thing which we have to talk about because it was truly everywhere was the the cut article. <clears throat> I think that's what the yeah the called the cut. What are you doing? The they cut. Were, <laughs> they yeah. were for sure haters. A different but of variety, a different variety. Too extreme. We don't endorse that. <laughs> we are not <laughs> racist. Just to clarify. Yeah, so that was weird. So they were basically saying that Priyanka has hoodwinked Nick into this arrangement. And I guess the underlying, like, implication is that he could do better. I think it's a scam. I think we have agreed that it's a scam, whether a conscious scam or an unconscious scam. Right. Mm, debatable. I think conscious. But on both it's, ends. They're both very They're both benefiting open. from this pretty equally, I would say, given their preceding level of fame and experience so don't be racist the cut this is not about her like being you know worse than him or manipulating him in any way this is about them both manipulating everyone else which is such a yeah get it right such a bummer to read an article like that go home do less okay so shall we move along 
So, topic for this week. You know her, you love her. Her name is Mindy Phelan, and we thought we could dive in how she came to be, who she is now, and what we hope she does in the future. And it turns out that's actually not her <laughs> name. Her name is Vera Mindy so, Chocolingo. Lies Mindy told. That is number one. Lies <laughs> Mindy told. Uh, so there's that. Later, we'll get to yeah, that a little but later. There's a lot to unpack here with Mindy Kaling. So. Yeah, you know her and love her, which is a big deal because there aren't a ton. I mean, can can you think of any? I can't think. I mean, Aziz, but we'll put a pin yeah. in that for now. I I really can't think of very many other Indian Americans who have achieved such widespread fame and recognition beyond kind of a niche yeah. audience. I think you can argue that certain Indians have achieved that in, like, the news sphere or in kind of the politics sphere or political com- comedy, but she really spans all this. She has uh, several TV shows, several books. Uh, she's directing mm-hmm. a movie right now, um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and uh, and she had a, a show where she was kind of the right. titular character, yeah. the Mindy Project. She kind of got on the radar by writing and uh, acting in a play that she wrote with her college friend called Matt and Ben. And the premise of the whole play was kind of a spoof on Goodwill Hunting and the process of writing Goodwill Hunting. Uh, she played Ben Affleck, which is funny because she is a short Indian female and Ben Affleck is not. And her friend, <laughs> who was a tall blonde girl, played uh, Matt Damon. And it puts her on the map, and she kind of gets, becomes famous for questioning how your ethnicity and gender really fits into what roles that you can actually play. And I think it's pretty incredible to launch your entire career as an Indian female playing uh, a white male. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like, stick it to the man. It's very exactly before... Hamilton. Not that that's necessarily a completely new concept, but Hamilton popularized that approach of kind of taking the spaces that are typically reserved for white males and creating a place for people of color who are living similar experiences, potentially, but just aren't able to tell those stories because they're reserved for for whiteness. It, It was really cool that that sort of her like explosion onto the scene. I think she had a stint on SNL very mm-hmm. briefly as a writer after that. Um, it was due to her kind of turning the narrative on its head. And I, I don't know. I applaud that hugely. I think that that's, that's what you want to see from Indian Americans, from Americans of color generally, is occupying spaces that have not historically been occupied by people that look like you rather than just fitting into the small niche that you've been given like playing the geek or playing the nerd or playing the foreign exchange student rather creating roles that right aren't exactly and I think it's pretty interesting that her career begins with this huge attention to race and gender and how she identified versus the characters that she could play. Because I think even if we go to back to the office, mm-hmm. which is sort of the role that people, that's yeah, where I first saw her. I didn't see Matt and Ben. I don't nope. know if you saw Matt and Ben. I'm pretty sure we <laughs> um, were fetuses when that was. <laughs> not earlier. The office is when she kind of came into her own. She was, I believe, a writer on the show because she was really 
known for her comedy writing and her improv skills, and then kind of created this character of Kelly Kapoor, who I thought at the time, and I think you agreed, where it sort of was expanding people's understanding of what an Indian person or character could be. You didn't just have to be like, like it was more than just the geek and the nerd. Kelly Kapoor is shallow. She Mm -hmm. is vain. She is jealous. She is not particularly smart. Uh, And she's also Indian and being Indian is also a big part of who she is, but also being shallow and being kind of a Valley girl is a big part of who she is too. And she could be both of those things, which, you know, many of us are. Um, and, and so that was exciting and that was, and, and it was cool that that was sort of her, she was still able to have the episodes Diwali like episode, Diwali. Exactly, and which is like such an iconic episode of that show. But I think like, it's also one of the, yeah, it was, it's awesome. And I think Kelly, part of Kelly's personality is sort of just dropping these things about being a brown woman and being an Indian woman while also maintaining her shallowness <laughs> and her, her valley girl and material Rightness. The office is where she launches her career and her success really starts to catapult from there on. Uh, she gets her own show, which is called The Mindy Project. How much of it did you watch? Did you finish it? I yeah, didn't watch it. I only watched it when it was uh, on TV before it switched to Hulu. But yeah, it was very yeah. different from the character. Okay, so I guess let's break it down. So Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling plays a an OBGYN, which she said was an homage to her mother, who was an OBGYN, um, on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, running or working for a private practice. Uh, she's single, ha- has a lot of the same character traits that Kelly Kapoor has, right? Like very uh, grandiose thinking, uh, wearing flashy clothing. She kind of says whatever she wants, whenever she wants, and doesn't think twice about what people think. And a lot of the criticism she received for that show was for the lack of representation, especially when casting her love interests on the show. They were primarily white men. From what I saw and generally speaking, it didn't seem like she she felt like she needed to make a point about herself being Indian. I don't know if that's because she felt like that had been already addressed in the office and she didn't want to continue to like retell right. that same story. Um, but it was a little bit odd to me that that never became any sort of a plot point, especially because, um, like you mentioned, all of her, to my knowledge, all of her significant others on the show were white, and they were a very kind of, for the most part, stereotypical. Generic white dudes. Sometimes with really weird characteristic traits, right? Like, they're just weird dudes. Weird white dudes or hot white dudes. And I think she gave an interview... Uh, kind of recently about how that was a really fun process for her, for her to be able to cast any love interest that she wanted to. And it was kind of fun for her to imagine herself being with anyone that she possibly could want to be with. And at the heart of that is the fact that who she ended up casting is a bunch of white dudes. Yeah, which... Sure, everyone's entitled to their own opinions on who they find attractive. We can't, you know, manage that. But 
do you have a responsibility as kind of this first Indian woman on the stage to put some representation in there, even if that's not personally what you're attracted to? When you're directing, writing, and starring in a show, as a brown female, do you have a responsibility to cast people from your race? Even if it hadn't been that she was casting a lot of Indian men to be her love interest, or forget just Indian men, it was kind of exclusively white guys that she dates on the show. She could have cast any other race as well, but she didn't have very many Indian females on the show either. I think there are a couple of there. She had a, a colleague on the show who was a, a black female. Um, yeah, the show is about an Indian female. That's that's a huge step forward in the arc of progress, but could it have gone farther? I mean, that's the thing that people say about women as well, too, right? Like, the stereotype is that women don't help other women because they say, it was so hard for me to get here. You have to go through the same hurdles that I did to kind of make it, which, debatable how realistic that is. Every promotion or opportunity that I've gotten has been because a woman has reached out and helped me, but... Uh, that logic is super flawed. Mindy, you have the potential to create jobs that no one else is going to create, right? No one else is looking out for the Indian community as much as you can as a member of it. Just the sad truth. And if you are not going to take on that mantle, then, you know. Right, exactly. And I think at the same time that her career was even further progressing because of the Mindy Project, she... Uh, started to speak a little bit more openly about how she has been a pioneer for color. I think the New York Times interviewed her in September of 2017, and they they asked her like, "What? Do you, how do you think that's inspired other people of color?" So it's very much established that she is this woman who has pioneered, but she's done that most recently without necessarily representing her Indian heritage and culture. It's kind of the catch-22 because, yes, I want her to be able to portray characters that aren't defined by their ethnicity. But at the same time, my Indianness does dictate a lot of my experience. And I've never met an Indian-American person who has completely not been swayed. Even the ones who grow up in predominantly white areas are swayed almost more so by that Indian heritage, that Indian culture. I, you know, being Indian is something that is important to Mindy, at least in, in some regards. So to have characters and have roles and have TV shows that completely discount that feels almost like a conscious right. suppression um, or an active choice that is compensating for something or sort of, you know, internalized right, trauma. exactly. And I don't know. Yeah, like you said, forgetting your Indianness is not an easy thing to do like this melanin doesn't rub off right your your heritage is your heritage I don't think she has a responsibility to play into any stereotype or to you know exclusively cast Indian love interests or um tell an in-depth story about being Indian unless she wanted to I think she does have a responsibility to create opportunities for other Indians especially if she's choosing to Mm -hmm. speak out about it in her spare time back to this idea of internalized whiteness and what it means to be an Indian in America and how much you choose to assimilate. She's named her daughter Catherine, which also TBD, like perhaps that 
there's some important meaning behind the name Catherine, uh, but it definitely opens up this whole discussion about whether it's problematic to assimilate and change your Indian names for American names. What is an American name even, right? Christian, Christian names, names, I guess is what I should say, because an American name, that's that's anything that is in America. And there's there's obviously a long history of this, of people sort of suppressing their exotic sounding names to seem more uh Right, right, right. I don't know what the word or is. Or even but. just to make it easier for other people to, to pronounce. If you have a long last name, like I do, sometimes you'll have people just refer to you by your first letter, like A. Or not even try to, to pronounce your last name. So And so to some degree, I understand why people want to, to change their names. But at the same time, it's a huge disservice to your culture. And it's, well, like you said, it's culture killing. But- oh, I think it's also interesting because there's a generational difference. So when did that study come out? Was it a Harvard study where basically this professor sent resumes to different companies some of them had kind of foreign um i think names Mm, and mm -hmm. um and other ones had kind of more you know generic christian names to see how many people got responses for the exact same level of experience and the christian names by far got a ton more responses some of that is definitely internalized by we've both seen it in our everyday today lives like yeah i have a longer first name that i shorten and the relief that people see, I see on people's face when they like struggle to pronounce my name and they get to say the easier shortened version. They say, oh, right. phew, thanks. Right. I didn't know how to pronounce that. It's like, okay, well, I'm not doing it to do you a service, <laughs> you know, not a this favor is not life to make your life right. easier. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think that definitely in previous generations, it was very challenging to sort of, it was it was a bold statement to have a unique name. I think that's not so much the case anymore. Obviously, like you said, that we've faced some of these challenges personally. It's not that it's completely right. gone away. Nevertheless, it's much easier to accept your, your true heritage and your real name now than it used to be. So why, why wouldn't, wouldn't you? you? So not doing it feels... Again, an active right. suppression, a, a desire to assimilate rather exactly. than a need to. Exactly. It's also worth noting that this, it was recently discussed because of the Dear Abby column where an interracial couple asked what they should name their child. I think the husband was white, the wife was is Indian American like us, and Dear Abby told them that sometimes the name can be a problematic word in the English language, and one that sounds beautiful in a foreign language can be grating in English. And obviously, this was received uh, not very well, and people are very mad. But it's I think it's important to remember that people still think of name, even though it is more accepted, that people still do think of of names that are not Christian as foreign. Yeah, and this we talked about this. This whole thing makes me very upset because who just because you can't pronounce something a certain way doesn't mean that I should change the way I live my life it means that you should learn how to pronounce it and I do understand the sentiment that you know it would be really tough for a child to be named Barack Obama and it's probably going to be difficult for people to pronounce it and people it doesn't sound familiar so it's it's challenging but that doesn't mean they can't learn and that doesn't mean you should adapt because then Five generations from now, everyone right. will be named exactly. Catherine. So, 
the point is that as America becomes more and more diverse, these names should no longer be tough. After a while, hearing the name Rajiv is no longer strange. It's something that you know. You know a few Rajivs, so like you can say it quite easily. I actually know uh, Rajivs. Does that make me a bad idiot? <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a bad example but yes the point still stands uh yeah for us i feel like personally it's more important to maintain culture and maintain those values than it is to take the easy way out if you can well okay but wait let's put let's put a pin in this part of the conversation because we have some equally important matters to discuss and that is Who's the baby daddy? Who do you Who's the baby daddy? We know it's none of our beeswax. We're well aware it's none of our beeswax. However, we're still allowed to speculate because this is a pop culture podcast (laughs) and you can't say anything about it. Do you want to talk about the more conventional option that you mentioned earlier? Because I'm team BJ. So BJ Novak plays Ryan on The Office. He was also a writer on The Office. And they've known each other for a really long time. I think they lived in New York at the same time when back in the Matt and Ben days. And they were dating on and off while they were filming the show. And they're, they still continue to be best friends. And they're very shady about whether they're actually still dating or not. I think they're just friends. And they probably are trolling the people, i.e. me, for thinking that they're together. But... <laughs> My theory is that if she was going to have a baby with someone for the sake of having a baby because she really wanted the baby, she would probably have had it with her best friend, who I think is BJ Novak. So mm. that is the conventional theory. Tars, you take the you take the more unconventional one, which I love and I hope is true. So I, I am into that idea. BJ seems like a great dude. Mindy seems great. She clearly wants... White man. He is a white man. He fulfills that requirement. He does check that box. Um, The more interesting theory is that potentially the father is Cory Booker, (laughs) also known as a U.S. senator (laughs) from New Jersey. (laughs) Because they they were tweeting at each Um, other, right? They were tweeting. There was some tweet chemistry. I don't know how it started, but I do know that one of the tweets implied that Cory Booker would take Mindy out to dinner. And, like, she was looking up kind of, like, trains yeah. to get there. The, like, path train or whatever right. the New and Jersey And who knows? Maybe that's where the conversation started and ended. But. <laughs> Could have just been a Twitter flirtation for us all to gush over. However, nine months later-ish, <laughs> she did have a baby. The timeline so... checks out. So. <laughs> yeah. Never, never know. know. I'm very into this idea because. This baby could be president. This baby could be a movie star. This baby could be... I don't know why I'm talking about it like it's its non-existent. Catherine could be a movie star. She could be <laughs> president. She could be... The world is her oyster. She has all the genes you could ever want right. to be successful. I think a BJ Mindy baby would be fine too, but I like the idea of Cory Booker and Mindy Kaling Oh, it's having way more interesting stand. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we'll ever know, but... I'm just going to assume it's true going forward. So, hot takes? Hot takes. So, we've we've reached a segment of our show where we discuss things that have annoyed us. Specifically, (laughs) things about Indian culture that have annoyed us. 
because of how big they are in American culture. So this was trending on BuzzFeed, so I'm sure many people heard about it, but it wasn't necessarily mainstream news otherwise. It's that Ishambani, who is the daughter of the richest man in India, a bazillionaire. Yeah. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. Multiple, Multiple billionaire. billionaire. Uh, got married to her chi- childhood friend, um, who is also a billionaire's child, and they had a wedding. And this wedding involved a private 45-minute performance from Beyonce. <laughs> Okay, also, just a few, like, side notes about this wedding. Like, this wedding definitely seems like an opportunity to to showcase their wealth. It has been lavish, is an understatement. The invitations cost three lakhs each, which I don't even know what the conversion is to dollars, right, but it's exactly. a lot. Uh, 1500 Okay, so she's... Dr- Dropping $1,500 per invitation. Hiring Beyonce, right? So this is, this is like the party of the century, okay? Beyonce, who's also never come to India right. for a tour. Exactly. Which, here she is yeah. going to India, performing for a bunch of rich people and their friends, when tons of people in India probably would attend a Beyonce concert. Uh, but never would be able to because she hasn't performed in India. So that's problem number one with that. The BS is yeah. several fold. One, that Beyonce and asterisk, 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 mm-hmm. we do love Beyonce. But one is that Beyonce can't come to India for a regular yeah. concert. Rumored to having been paid $25 million for this 45-minute performance, by the way. Oh. I don't know how true that is. It's crazy. Two is that she has this sort of pattern of kind of appropriating Indian culture, which is not helping anything. So, like, Mm -hmm. stop it. And three is, I think, just sort of the lavishness of this wedding is obviously excessive and over the top and ridiculous. You had mentioned that there are several outlets that are kind of commenting that, you know, because there's so much poverty in India, lavish weddings are wasteful, which... Right. True. But also there's poverty. Exactly. It almost seems as if the Western media is seeing rich Indian people for the first time. And I think it's a lot of the same hype that crazy rich Asians got. Uh, I, I was listening to the Terry Gross interview, the author of Crazy Rich Asian, and the, the from my perspective at least, the interview seemed very much like she was attacking him for being a rich Asian, or when the reality is that there are tons of people who live their lives like this. There are tons of rich people who live in Eastern Asia, South Asia. Like, there is money everywhere. And so, yeah, poverty exists in India, and it is definitely covered very heavily in the American media, as it should be, and as it should be also in Indian media. But poverty exists everywhere, and especially in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's they definitely exist. It's a very rich and a very poor country, as so many countries around the world are. So there shouldn't be a double standard. It's ridiculous that these lavish weddings are happening here, there, anywhere. Um, India is not defined exactly. by its poverty. So that's our hot take. That's all we've got, dudes. So thanks for listening. That's it. Until next time. We'll be back. Peace.